Scotland. There's the snap. It's still high. Quick throw. It's intercepted at the goal line. It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson. It's the goal line. 20 seconds left. Well, good evening, Pats fans, and welcome to the Full Press Patriots podcast. I am your host, Mike DeBate, and this edition of the cast, uh, as well as those going forward, uh, is going to be a little bit different. Uh, while I know that you are used to hearing FBC's editor-in-chief, Ian Glendon, and myself bringing you the latest in Patriots news and notes, the format for the Full Press Patriots podcast is going to be changing a little bit. And going forward, I will continue to host the show, and we're going to provide some added and well-deserved, I may add, uh, focus on some of the great writers that we have on staff at FBC Patriots. Now, fear not, you can still absorb some of the sarcastic and somewhat nerdy wisdom and counsel of Ian Glendon and myself on the Full Press Radio Network, as we will be hosting an all-encompassing look at the landscape of Boston and New England sports and pop culture. So stay tuned. We're going to be making an announcement on that very shortly, and I'm Extremely excited to continue to be able to share the mic with my good friend and colleague, the talented Mr. Glendon. But, however, tonight is a new beginning for the Full Press Patriots podcast, and I'm equally excited to move forth on this new venture. Uh, so without further ado, joining me tonight on the Full Press Patriots podcast and on the thinking couch tonight, this week are two of our best and brightest staff writers on the FPC Patriots roster. Um, our first guest is this young man does an amazing job with bringing you the latest news and notes across the NFL regarding uh, and pro sports landscape. He also keeps you updated on the latest Patriots injury news and also hosts a podcast called 27 Ounce Baseball that for any baseball fan out there, I highly recommend it. He does an amazing job. His name is Bryce Russo, and he joins us on the FBC Radio Network tonight. Bryce, welcome to the channel, my friend. Thank you, Michael, and uh, it's glad to be here, and I'm looking forward to talking about the Patriots tonight and the state of the NFL after that amazing Monday night football game last night that we witnessed. Some are saying that it's the best regular season of all time, um, but it's just a real pleasure to be on here, and I'm looking forward to beginning on the podcast. Oh, excellent, and it's our pleasure to have you, and you hit the nail right on the head, and Ian and I have a joke that every time I say hit the nail right on the head, everybody has to take a drink, so that is still in effect, folks. If I say hit the nail on the head, then you go ahead and indulge in whatever alcoholic beverage you wish, um, as long as you're doing it responsibly, by the way. However, um, yeah, you're absolutely right when it came to last night's game, just an amazing track meet type of a game, offense galore, and if you're a fan of offensive football, that was really, I mean, that was a feast for the eyes last night. Uh, one of the more memorable regular season games you'll ever see, and one of the better Monday night football games in recent history. So, definitely good stuff. But I do want to round out tonight's trio, um, and this man is a veteran of the FBC Patriots family. You know his great content from his weekly winners and losers column. He is a contributor to at Full Press NBA and covers the Celtics for CelticsLife.com. Most recently, he's become the co-host of a Delivered Weekly podcast, which is really great, kind of very similar to what Ian and I will be doing, uh, all of Boston sports and pop culture mixed in. He is the talented Jared Talbot, and he joins us as well. Jared, it's great to have you with us, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to join you, Mike and Bryce. It's, uh, I've been meaning to get up on the Patriots podcast for a while. You and Ian really do a great job, so I think this is going to be a fun going to be a fun show and we got a lot to talk about so let's get right into it absolutely sounds great guys and uh without further ado we're going to get right into it we've got an action-packed show coming your way and we don't want to waste any more of your time uh so we definitely want to delve right into that Gentlemen, the bye week for the New England Patriots is now officially over with practices going on and the Jets looming this coming Sunday. Um, it is bye-bye-bye, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, and while the Patriots are in the driver's seat for the AFC East Division title, not really a surprise. I think a lot of people expected them to be right where they are in terms of the AFC East. The number one seed in the AFC, as well as a first-round bye, Look like they might be a little bit more of a challenge this uh, this year, and uh, last night may have made it a bit easier to open the door for a possibility into that realm, but we'll delve into that in a minute. But uh, the potential for that first-round buy and the buy into the playoffs had always been a foregone conclusion, really, I think, in New England. It was always either whether or not they were going to get the number one seed 
or whether or not they would settle for a divisional first round by. At this point, it's looking like they may be in the driver's seat for it, especially after last night, but they've got to take care of business and they've got to get some wins. They need to win against Pittsburgh. Uh, they're coming up. That's going to be a big, big game for them coming up in the second half. But going into what the Patriots have done up until this point. Sitting at 7-3, and three, they definitely have some impressive wins. There's no question about it. Uh, they've beaten teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, who are one of the top teams, if not the top team in the AFC. Record-wise, they do sit atop the AFC. Uh, they've beaten the Green Bay Packers, which is an impressive win. They've beaten the Chicago Bears on the road, which is an impressive win. But the road is really where this team has struggled a little bit. Um, the loss against Jacksonville, probably not a gigantic shot considering that Jacksonville was really preparing for this as their Super Bowl. Let's face it, it's the truth. That was the, the only game it seems like Jacksonville bothered to even want to play this year. Um, and then two very surprising losses, one against Detroit that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And even though the Tennessee Titans posed a very big threat, and I for one even warned Ian in our last podcast that the Tennessee Titans were not a team to be taken lightly. I think it surprised a lot of people that the New England Patriots lost that game uh, the way they did in such dominant fashion by the Tennessee Titans, really a, a, a demolition in all three phases of the game. So normally what we do here on FPC is we try to stay positive, but we're going to go with the negatives first. Everybody always says, oh, if you've got bad news, tell me the bad news first. So I'm going to open the floor to you guys. Jared, I'm going to start with you my friend, um, if you had to pick out one disappointment from the first half of the season uh, that really, hit to me, that to you has stood out for the New England Patriots, what would you say is the biggest disappointment as a New England Patriots fan, as someone who covers the team? Um, what's been your biggest disappointment for them thus far? For me, honestly, it's uh, the production or lack thereof out of Chris Hogan. Um, Chris Hogan is a guy who uh, I realize you know, has never been like a number one or a number two option, and he was almost had to be thrust into that role for the first couple of weeks there with, with Julian Edelman's sideline with the suspension and such. But for me, that, that's really the biggest thing. I mean, Chris Hogan has had several games where he hasn't even caught a ball. And, I mean, this is a guy who's produced for the Patriots in the playoffs in the past. And although Brady hasn't even necessarily targeted him much this year, it just feels like, he hasn't he hasn't done much and it hasn't been there and, and for me that's that's been a big thing because when when Brady especially last week we saw it against the Titans is just forcing that ball to Josh Gordon over and over again the offense becomes incredibly predictable which is what happens when you run into a, a talented faster defense like Tennessee with guys like Adoree Jackson Logan Ryan you you have a guy like Mike Vrabel who understands that system and that and and when the offense becomes predictable that's when the Patriots are easy to beat and we saw that last week and I think most importantly going forward we need to have uh you know Brady feeding all of his weapons and making the offense very diverse because when you just force feed one weapon over and over again it gets too predictable and no matter how talented Josh Gordon is we're going to need production out of guys like Chris Hogan Philip Dorsett who I think is underused. Uh, you know, James White is so talented but hasn't been used great the last two weeks. And Rob Gronkowski, if he gets healthy and is anywhere near what he usually is, then we're going to see a very, very talented Patriots team. But until then, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's worrisome because without, without production out of these guys, uh, it just becomes predictable. And I think Chris Hogan is a large part of that. So for me, that's my biggest disappointment. Yeah, and I actually agree with you 100%. That's my big, biggest disappointment as well. Not necessarily singling out Hogan as much, but really I think the Brady-Hogan chemistry is something that I think a lot of people, and you mentioned this, that when Julian Edelman missed the first four games of the season, you really expected a guy like Chris Hogan, who has experience in this system. He had a lot of new receivers, Cordero Patterson coming in. Uh, Philip Dorsett was kind of still getting his feet wet in New England. Uh, there were a lot of questions as to whether or not these guys could step up and really make noise. Even in the offseason, you had guys like Jordan Matthews, who never quite made the uh, the, the 53-man, uh, and he was he was you know cut loose during training camp. But you always saw Chris Hogan as being that guy that was going to step up, be good or reliable and someone that they could rely on. Even after Edelman's return, it seems like there are numerous occasions where Chris Hogan 
was open or could have been targeted, and Brady is looking to go to force the ball either to Edelman or to Josh Gordon or to Gronkowski. You mentioned all those uh, in, in that as well. So I completely agree with your assessment there as well. Uh, Bryce, I'm going to open the, uh, the field to you, my friend. Uh, what was your biggest disappointment? Is it different than what Jared and I have seen, uh, or are you also um, looking to see more production out of Chris Hogan in the second half? Uh, I certainly agree with you you guys, both of your points, because it's a vital part of the offense that the Patriots utilize so well in the system with the short passing game with Hogan. And once you have Gronkowski and all those other receivers involved, it just makes it easier for Tom Brady to execute the offense at an efficient level. But I'm going to turn to the defensive side, and I'm going to say Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback that the New England Patriots paid in the off, in the offseason a couple seasons ago, um, teams absolutely destroying him. They're using him in one-on-one situations against their, what, number one receiver. But Stephon Gilmore has not been playing up to the standards that he should be as a number one corner, especially the way he's being paid by the New England Patriots. And also just the defense in general. I thought this defense would get a little bit of up, an upgrade, especially with Adrian Claiborne coming over from the Atlanta Falcons, a good pass rusher, veteran guy that can get out to the quarterback. But the defense especially is really disappointing. Brian Flores is doing the best he can, even though he's not designated as the defensive coordinator. I think the defense has been really the concern for me all year long. I know the offense is going to get it into gear with Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady. They'll get, they'll find a way to get this offense going, and they have this, this season in certain games, but in certain games they have not shown up um, to play at all. But the defense especially is something that I want to be watching in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think you make a very interesting point, Bryce, and I like that. It's interesting that you bring up Gilmore because Gilmore is sort of a polarizing figure. I've heard people sing his praises nonstop and say that he's had a tremendous year, and then I've heard people take a similar point of view to what you just described in saying that Gilmore is someone that has underachieved or that he's been exploited. As Aristotle once said, I think virtue lies somewhere in the middle of that. But I do agree. I think that there are circumstances where one-on-one he hasn't provided the coverage necessary. He looked very poor in the game against the Tennessee Titans, one of the big reasons why they got so many one-on-one looks and were able to get beat. Uh, I think a lot of people were throwing around Twitter that uh, Gilmore may have forgotten that it was the bye week this week and that it wasn't the same week that they were playing the Titans because it looked like he really did not come to play. Had a fairly decent game against the Packers. That's not an easy team to uh, uh, to defend. Um, you know, he did come up with a couple of big uh, uh, you know plays and and keeping the uh, uh, the defense at least in those games. But the defense, it's absolutely correct. You saw two unbelievable offensive juggernauts last night on Monday Night Football in the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, basically march up and down the field and score at will on one another. Uh, Aaron Donald aside, who is an absolute freak of nature and one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in professional football, I think right now him and Khalil Mack are really 1-1A. and Um, If either one of those teams had a bit more of a shutdown defense, uh, there could be a, an unstoppable force there uh, that both of those, that either one of those teams would be, uh, you know, steamrolling through the league. I think the fact that neither one of those teams has that shutdown defense opens the door for a team like the New Orleans Saints or possibly our New England Patriots to upset one of these teams and make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that's why you're seeing so many teams that, or so many fans that are really clamoring for the fact that the New Orleans Saints and the New England Patriots by far are actually the two favorites when it comes to fan picks, believe it or not. You won't see that a lot in some of the pro football focus numbers and whatnot. I think uh, power rankings, I think the Patriots were ranked fifth in the most recent that were released this morning. So that's probably about right considering the record and considering the loss that they're coming off of. But we think they're going to pick it back up a little bit. Switching gears a little bit, fellas, and getting into the positive aspects of what has been either pleasant surprises or some of the uh, the things that you've enjoyed watching uh, most this year. Jared, I'll get back to you, my friend. What was your biggest pleasant surprise of the Patriots season so far in 2018? Who stood out to you and someone that you may not have targeted so much in your radar before the season, but he's really, really been a breath of fresh air? Well, I think, I mean, for starters, if you look at Flowers, who's now officially ranked in one of the top defenders in the league just by advanced numbers and metrics, I mean, his his work on the defensive line has just been incredible all year. He's been consistent. He's been by far and away our best defender. 
And honestly, he's uh, he's been extremely important because without him, we wouldn't be where we are in a lot of ways. And ironically, with this goes back to what you were saying, Mike, about how polarizing Gilmore was before the Tennessee game. He would have been one of my more standout guys, which is ironic because, of course, Bryce has him as uh, more of like a disappointment this year, and that's the way it's been this year. I mean, people have him as, you know, doing really well and, People have him as doing really bad. I mean, he completely shut down Devontae Adams in that Packers game, which was extremely impressive. He was ranked in the top five for PFF focus for for uh, advanced metrics on cornerbacks until he just got smoked by Corey Davis one, uh, over and over and over again in that Tennessee game. So it, that's the inconsistency is something that's gonna we're going to have to keep an eye on. But I think, honestly, more than anything, I've really enjoyed the running back play this year. Uh, that's probably my favorite thing that I've seen. I think before Sonny Michelle went down, that was my favorite thing to watch was having that rookie running back, taking a chance on him in the first round and seeing him not just run and shut shut up guys like Tony Maserati and Felger and, and all that, but, but him, his ability to just to consistently run the ball well, which is not something that the Patriots during this dynasty have ever really had other than Corey Dillon, you know, you know, tossing in Green Ellis and Maroney and these random guys who had their good years or Ridley that one year or Blunt that one year, but we haven't had a consistent, you know, good running back. And I think we had that during that stretch with Michelle, which was great. And then also James White, who's had, I mean, especially fantasy-wise, just had an incredible year and and the way he's opened up the passing game. And uh, if anything, I think he's been underutilized for years and years. And I honestly thought he could have won that Super Bowl MVP. I just I think utilizing these these two guys, both Michelle and James White, going forward is going to be extremely important. Using them to their strengths is something that could really really change this entire offense. And uh, that's going to that's been my favorite thing to watch so far is just the utilization of two running backs who, not necessarily you know thunder and lightning, but more you know you got a guy who can run real through the tackles and really well in Michelle and a guy who can catch the ball with the best of them and James White. So that's obviously my biggest positive. Yeah, and I, I actually, I, uh, I don't agree with you in terms of, well, I shouldn't say I don't agree with you. I agree with your points. Uh, my uh, um, choice for uh, pleasant surprise is a little bit different, but uh, listen, I, I am a huge, huge fan of Sony Michelle. I have been since back before the draft. I targeted him since back in late December, early January of last year uh, as someone that the Patriots may look to as a potential target. He's just that type of back that Bill Belichick loves, and when they called his name on draft day, I was definitely surprised. I didn't expect it in the first round. I thought maybe that second rounder uh, would nab him because I did think he would fall a little bit considering his injury history, but uh, he has proved to be ready for prime time. Uh, The only question is the injury, naturally, but uh, James White has been phenomenal. He has been absolutely phenomenal throughout this year and really stepped up as the, the go-to for Tom Brady and someone that is has been one of their more reliable, if not their most reliable player on offense. So uh, great choices there, and I, uh, I think you made great, interesting points. Um, we're going to go to my friend Bryce again. And uh, uh, Bryce, you're on the hot seat, but um, who to you has been the biggest pleasant surprise this year for the New England Patriots? Uh, someone that you may not have had your race are, um, you know, targeting, but uh, someone who really has been uh, one of the more indelible pieces of this team so far. Well, I have to agree with both of you on the run game. I think the run game has been a really pleasant surprise, and it's something that the Patriots really need this year, especially considering Tom Brady's age and that he can't carry a team as he used to back in his early 30s and so. But I'm going to give you a name, Cordell Patterson. I think he's a guy that really has shined in this Patriots system both offensively and special teams-wise. He's a really good utilizer of the running back position, averaging 4.6 yards per carry, and he has a touchdown on the year running back, actually two two uh, touchdowns are running, and he also has two receiving. So he can be a utilizing player for this Patriots offense that Josh McDaniels can do so many things with. He can utilize him in the run game, the passing game, just another weapon that can really help this Patriots offense excel to the highest extent. And he's just a guy that really didn't get a lot of notice as the Patriots signed him in the offseason. But as of now, I think he can be really vital, especially in the run game, because a lot of running backs are big and furious that we like to have, you know, the leg Eric Blunts of the world, which we used to have. But I think Patterson brings a physical attribute to the Patriots running game that James White, yes, he's good in the running game, but I think he's better in the passing game 
for Tom Brady to get those short yardage passing situations. But Cordell Patterson can really utilize the short yardage situations as a big back and use those big legs uh, to gain first down. So Cordell Patterson, for me especially, has been a very pleasant surprise for the Patriots in the first half. Yeah, and again, I think a great point. Uh, What better introduction to the New England Patriots can you get by coming in and playing a position you're not used to playing, but something you can play and something that you're actually pretty good at that no one saw coming. I mean, we've seen Bill Belichick do it. He's played Troy Brown at in the secondary. He's had Julian Edelman back in the secondary. You know, I mean, he's had guys that have done their job out of position. He's had Mike Rabel line up as a tight end and catch touchdowns in Super Bowls. I mean, this is a very, very common thing for Bill Belichick and something I believe he actually doesn't get enough credit for, uh, if you can believe that, and all of the credit that he gets about being the greatest coach of all time. And to me, I don't think there's any question of that. But this is something that he really has done to a, a masterful point and give a lot of credit where credit is due to Cordero Patterson. He's come in here um, really with the expectation of being a guy that was going to help out on kick returns and be someone that could help on special teams. He's been an effective receiver, and he was an effective running back while Sonny Michelle was out. So uh, big props to, uh, to him as well. It's funny that you mentioned Patterson. Um, our uh, content director, Terrence Biggs, who's a very good friend of mine, he's the managing editor of the Raiders page, and uh, Terry and I go back and forth quite often, and one of the finer writers and football minds that you'll find anywhere. Terry sent me a text message immediately when Cordell Patterson was acquired by the New England Patriots, and he said, you guys just got yourself a steal. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, a steal, all right, I'm a little bit of a fan. I've seen him in Oakland, I've seen him in Minnesota, but he's not someone that I would say is a real steal. I didn't think he was going to be a game changer. He said the problem with Patterson is he has not played for a coach yet that is able to harness what he can truly do. Belichick and McDaniels can do it. And the minute I saw him line up at running back and be effective at it, I thought of that text right away, and I sent one back to Terry, and I said, you were right. And he says, I told you so. (laughs) So that's essentially what I think is a real, real great thing about Patterson and what he's been able to do and how he's been able to fit in with this team. So I think those are great choices when it comes to either Michelle or White or Patterson. Um, I actually went in a little bit of a different direction, gentlemen. And uh, my biggest pleasant surprise has been the big bad man on the offensive line, and that is their newest acquisition in that position, and that is Trent Brown. Um, Trent Brown coming in from San Francisco was definitely a an up-and-down acquisition. It was that typical very high-reward, low-risk type of move that the New England Patriots made, and I think it's paid dividends. Uh, keep in mind that since 2012, Nate Solder has been the guy protecting Tom Brady's blind side. That is the most difficult position that you can possibly imagine. Um, A man who's become not only a good friend of mine, but also someone that I have admired. I've had the opportunity to interview him and cover his Hall of Fame induction ceremony this past September, and that's Matt White. Matt White did it probably, arguably, better than anybody. And Solder came in and did an admirable job during that period. It's not an easy job to fill, and especially Trent Brown having to come in and take over on the left side when he's used to playing on the right side. Um, Brown has fit in very well with New England. Uh, His foot speed has been a real big surprise to me. I never realized how agile he is. Uh, In some of the interviews that he's conducted, he mentioned that he's played just about every position in football that there is to play, including quarterbacks. So that really helped his foot speed. That really helped his coordination. And I think you're seeing a guy like Dante Scarnecchia, who is one of the finest offensive linemen coach in history, if not the finest. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better offensive line coach in history than Dante. Uh, He has really harnessed in this guy's abilities. So I think that's been a huge, huge presence on that offensive line, especially when they've had their issues with injuries. Marcus Cannon's been banged up. Shaq Mason's been out for the last couple of games. But Adrian Waddle has been suspect at best. Um, you know, David Andrews has provided them a good spark in the middle. He's been a real you know, reliable center, but there's been a lot of fluidity on that line, and I think Trent Brown coming in here, playing the way he's played, um, and just really stepping up to the task when a lot of people weren't sure he could do it, uh, to me, has been a really big, pleasant surprise. So I think all good, you know, selections across the board and uh, it seems like we're all offensive minded when it comes to pleasant surprises so you know, I, uh, um, I take that for what it's worth and I think that's, uh, uh, that's a good thing 
Switching gears a little bit, fellas, and I'm going to put you guys on the hot seat again. Um, now that we've talked about what has happened in the first half of the season, I wanted to delve into a little bit of what you expect in the second half. And typically it's really not the second half. It's really more post-buy rather than second half because there's 10 games in the book, six still to be played. So it's not quite the 50-50 split that a halftime yeah. should really give you. Um, but going forward with the New England Patriots, who do you see as the guy that's going to emerge as the second half or the post-buy MVP for the New England Patriots? Uh, Jared, I'll, uh, I'll start with you. Um, first of all, is it on offense or on defense, and who would your selection be? Um, I, think, uh, I think there's two ways I could, I could answer this question. Somebody that I want to be that guy and somebody who I think is going to be that guy. I mean, I think being honest, uh, want that guy to be on the defensive side of the ball, a guy like Hightower or McCourty or somebody of that magnitude to step up and be not just a leader but a massive playmaker. Uh, but but I think I'm going back to the offensive side of the ball, and, and my prediction is Josh Gordon. And, and, I, and I know Josh Gordon has played very well over the last couple of weeks, but we still haven't seen just the level of magnitude that Josh Gordon That's has impacted. Game, honestly, I just I, I know he had 110 yards and he had his big game and everything and all that. But but when we I don't know if anybody truly followed. I know you guys did. But I, for all you fans out there, if you take a second and just go on YouTube and watch some of his highlights from his big season where he only played 13 games and had, you know, the most receiving yards in the NFL back in 14 and 13. And those, those back back then, I mean, the guy was just unbelievable. And I'm not saying he's the same player now as he was back then, but even if he's close to that, then the whole offense changes. And we even saw it when he was playing at his peak uh, in the last couple weeks. Um, But we just haven't seen it to the full magnitude simply because they're not healthy enough. I think if you get Gronkowski back and he's, you know, plays back up to his magnitude, if you incorporate Sonny Michelle and James White to their full magnitude and, you could see just an electrifying player in, in Josh Gordon and, and to the level where you could play like a top 10 to 15 wide receiver in this league. And, and that fully changes this Patriots offense. I mean, it's, it's exactly why they went after him. It's why people mentioned Des Bryant so much and people were so upset when Brandon Cooks went. I think Josh Gordon is far more dynamic than Brandon Cooks. So that's why I think that, that, that Belichick leaned this way. Brandon Cooks is is a little bit more one-dimensional. He's more of like a up-and-down-the-field kind of guy where Josh Gordon can run, can turn a 10-yard slant into a 50-yard touchdown really quick because he's, he's a more dynamic wide receiver. So I think that's a guy uh, to really look for uh, in the coming weeks. I think if you utilize him the right way, you don't spoon-feed him the ball the way that they did against Tennessee. You don't force passes to him the way Brady has done, but it, rather you – you get him the ball when you need to, and you utilize him in the right situations, especially on second and third down. Um, you're gonna you're gonna see a guy who could easily put up 70 yards plus every single game and a touchdown. It, it could be really dynamic for the offense going forward. So that's that's really the guy that I think is somebody I'm looking forward to watching the rest of this year going into the playoffs because he's just gonna get better. He's only gonna get more comfortable, and this offense will just keep getting better with him on the field. Yeah, and I think you make a very, very good point on that in terms of guys that the Patriots bring in and really bringing out the best in what they have. I think it's tip of the iceberg with uh, Josh Gordon. I think we've seen flashes of what he's um, capable of doing. Uh, the Brady record-setting touchdown, to me, was just out of this world. I mean, that really showed how dynamic this combination can be. And if they can harness that in the second half, and like you said, if they can stop forcing the ball into him, get him into his rhythm, then I think you're really going to see Josh Gordon emerge. So that's an interesting um, choice. I like the choice. Uh, and for one, I hope you're right, because, uh, you know, with everything that Gordon has been through, I think people really genuinely, especially in this area right now, want to see him succeed for so many reasons. So, you know, we hope that he continues on, uh, you know, the path that he's continued on um, and, you know, that he continues to be a really prolific part of this offense, uh, because what we've seen so far has been really impressive. Uh, Bryce, are you staying on the offensive side of the ball? Or are you switching it up for defense? And uh, who would your choice be for second half or post-buy, I keep saying second half, I can't stand that, <laughs> um, but post-buy, second half, MVP, who would you say? 
Well, first of all, trust me, it annoys me when people say that it's the second half because it depends on the number of games. But anyways, I'm going to go with quarterback Tom Brady. I think Tom is set for a really um, aggressive type football that we haven't seen of him all year. I think he's been playing well all year, but I think it's the time stretch that he loves. This is what he thrives in. This is the type of atmosphere that he loves. And getting all these weapons back, potentially a Gronkowski, getting a Hogan, and Edelman involved much more, Josh Gordon, as Jared alluded to, it's going to be really helpful for Tom, and it's going to get this offense going to a point where it's the old Patriots again. I know we've seen flashes of it early in the season, but then we've also seen flashes of could this be the end and Brady not being in sync with his offense, and it's been really uh, disappointing. But Tom is going to be a very accurate quarterback. He, he's a 94.7 rating right now, 17 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I assume those numbers are going to be up except the interceptions. More touchdowns and more passing yards. He already has 2000, over 2,000 passing yards at the moment. So, But looking at the schedule, really the only, the only defense I could see given the Patriots' problems is the Vikings and the Dolphins in Miami. The rest of the teams, Brady has really had their number, and I know the Steelers he has also, but the Steelers' defense has been playing a lot better lately. And But for the defense also, I expect Dante Hightower. I think Dante Hightower is a guy that we look over way too much. He's had a very productive year. He's had a, a really key interception against Patrick Mahomes in that stunning, uh, stunning um, AFC matchup between the Chiefs and the Patriots. So those are the two guys I'm going to be watching and hopefully they do really well and help this Patriots team going to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that, well, first of all, I hope you're right for one selfish reason, and I just hope that you're right that Tom Brady is the second-half MVP or the post-buy MVP simply to shut up Rob Parker. I just really hope that that yeah. happens. I mean, I think everybody in Patriots Nation wants to shut that yeah, guy up. That one, yeah, I was going to say, if we have to hear him say "loat" one more time, then I, I, I may drive my head through plate glass. But, uh, you know, um, Brady aside, and I think that that, because I do want to get back into Tom in just a minute, and Bryce, I think he made some excellent points about the numbers that he has, the tiny year that's coming up, and what is usually Tom Brady's time. Uh, so I do want to get back to that in just a second. Um, my second half MVP is actually someone that uh, uh, you guys mentioned earlier, which is Trey Flowers. I think he's going to continue to be and emerge as that elite defensive end in the Patriots' front seven. Um, you know, I think that they've been looking for a guy like this since Chandler Jones went off to Arizona, and I really think that Trey Flowers has not only emerged as that, but someone that they can really rely on to be an elite pass rusher in this league. I think the Patriots need to continue to put pressure on the quarterback. They've done a little bit better of a job this year than they did last year, but it's still something that I think is an area of improvement as they look forward to that post-buy period in 2018. Um, I mean, Flowers has just been an amazing, amazing player, and I think you saw, you've saw, seen that. Rusher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you see you know, it's noticeable when he's not out there, guys. You can see that. Anybody that's a Patriots fan can look at it, and they know when Flowers missed a couple of games with the uh, the concussion, it was very noticeable. That team looked lost on defense. They did not have that guy, that, that anchor, that kept them in line. And, um, you know, for years that was, uh, you know, Dante Hightower, and I think that Hightower is still calling plays in the in the backfield, but I think it's a situation where Flowers has really emerged as the leader of that defense, especially that front seven. Um, he ranks, you know, very highly in terms of, you know, placing pressure on uh, on opponents, um, in terms of run stop percentage. Uh, he's really he's really emerged as being a guy that not only can can stop can put pressure on the quarterback, but also stop the run. So I look for him to continue to have a big second half of the season, and I think the Patriots' defense needs to step up big because I think the offense will figure it out. It's the defense right now that I think concerns some people in terms of whether or not they're going to be able to get key stops when they need to. They're facing some potent offensive teams, uh, you know, down the stretch. So what you know about the New York Chets, and we can laugh about them all we want to, but if Sam Arnold is healthy. They've proven they can put points on the board. They hung 42 in the in the opening game against uh, uh, Detroit this year, so they can place points on the board if they need to, especially that Pittsburgh Steelers offense, which is a very, very good offense. They're playing well. That's going to be a tough team to beat. And, of course, the Minnesota Vikings in a non-conference game, but still going to be a very difficult game coming up in a couple of weeks. So I think we made some interesting and excellent uh, uh, predictions, guys. I think that, you know, we'll see. Only time will tell 
with this Patriots team. Of course, the way things usually go for the Patriots, all of our predictions will probably end up not coming true. And Bill Belichick will sign some guy that's bagging groceries at Walmart right now, and he'll end up being a pro bowler. So, you know, you never know. That's always the way it goes in New England. But, uh, you know, as long as we're one of the last teams standing at the end, then I think that's, you know, all the Patriots fans can, uh, can ask for. Um, Bryce, you kind of opened up a little bit of a Pandora's box, and it's going to allow me to get on my soapbox a little bit about uh, one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. So, you know, I think the prognostications of doom, it just seems like everybody cannot wait to write this guy's epitaph. And in my weekly editorial this week, I kind of got on my soapbox a little bit, but I likened what people do, especially in the media, of hastening this guy's demise as the adage about drinking the sand and the thirsty wanderer that seeks the oasis in the arid desert. And I kind of felt my literary license a little bit go, and I I got a little flowery. But basically, in a nutshell, I'll sum it up for everybody, and I won't get too, you know, intense about it. But um, the adage about the, the wanderer in the sand is the wanderer is basically so thirsty for water that he starts to imagine a mirage, and the mirage is basically just a continuation of sand, but to him, it's something he's been craving, and he's convincing himself that the sand is water, and he drinks the sand. I think that's exactly what you're seeing with so many people in the national media spotlight, certainly within a lot of fans, of saying that Tom Brady is done, and he's gone and over with, and his time is over. He's, I think Eric Dickerson called him an old-ass man or something like that earlier on, and I think a lot of these predictions are a little premature to say that, uh, to say the least. Brady's teammates have really come to his aid uh, and really come to his defense over the course of the last couple of weeks, especially since the bye. Uh, the whole Max Kellerman, his arm looks like a wet noodle thing, I think is a complete load of crap. If anybody's looked at his arm strength, his arm strength is not the problem with Brady. Now, that's not to say that Tom hasn't had his issues. He has. I think he's had issues with his decision-making. I think he's had issues with his cleanliness in the pocket. And I think some of that has resulted in him struggling this year. Now, we say struggling. People are making it seem like he's the bottom of the barrel, he's the worst quarterback in the world, and that he shouldn't even be starting for the Cleveland Browns. Um, and no disrespect to the Cleveland Browns. Actually, they're not the worst team in the league right now, But um, although maybe the most dysfunctional if you don't count Cincinnati. But, you know, I, I digress. I don't want to. <laughs> but in any case, when it comes to Brady and it comes to his prolific uh, you know, ability, he had such a great season last year in an MVP effort, uh, even losing you know, the Super Bowl and throwing for 505 yards in a loss. Uh, he was amazing these last couple of years, so naturally he kind of had nowhere to go but down. It's almost impossible to maintain that level of play consistently for three years running. So, yeah, Brady's come back down to earth a little bit, but his numbers are still pretty good, and they're still middle of the pack in terms of the NFL. I think they will only go up. Bryce, you kind of touched on this earlier, and I think you touched on it eloquently in saying that this is Tom Brady's time. This is the time of year where he scorches the earth and basically says to everybody, hey, look, this is this is what we do in New England. We're a team that may start off, we may sputter a little bit, but when the chips are down and the weather gets cold, we're going to start to steamroll through the league. The Patriots are set up very good to do that. Now, they have a couple of very formidable opponents coming up in the Minnesota Vikings, and then, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers playing in Pittsburgh. That's going to be a, their toughest task, I think, of the post-by 2018. But when it comes to Brady's mechanics, when it comes to his footwork, when it comes to his arm strength, uh, what's been the one thing with you gentlemen that's really stood out? I know, Bryce, you kind of touched upon this subject a little bit. I'm going to ask you to flush it out a little bit, uh, and then I'll uh, move it over to, uh, to Jared to give, to, for you guys to give your opinion on what's going on with, uh, uh, with Brady and why so many of these quote-unquote hot takers just can't wait to knock this guy off his pedestal. Well, Michael, you made a lot of great points there. And, you know, Tom Brady is such a polarizing figure in the NFL. He has been since he's got drafted to the New England Patriots. But you're always going to have those doubters. And it could be just hometown bias for one particular team, uh, Max Kellerman included with the New York Giants. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's just a situation that Tom has proven that he can. he's beaten time already, and he's doing it at really an elite level. I know the interceptions are up this year. I know that the touchdowns are kind of down. But 
the, the way the Patriots are managing Tom Brady this year, they're using a run game very effectively, and you're seeing that. And they're running the ball more often because they have effective runners that can get into the end zone and score touchdowns. And the receiving core has been banged up with Ron Bronkowski not been health, 100% healthy, and Julian Edelman missing four games to begin the season. So it's been a very flexible um, receiving core for Tom earlier in the year. And even now, with some of the injuries that have been taking place, you know, Michelle got hurt against the Bears a couple weeks ago, and he had to go back to the passing game. It was all about the pass. But it's just a matter of Tom being Tom, and he has such great pocket awareness. He can read the field. And that's why Gronkowski coming back is so key, because he can run those seam routes so effectively, which Tom loves to run so well, and he'll be so effective at doing that. And also Edelman in the short passing game is so effective for him as well, along with James White. So it's just a matter of him doing what is needed and just to make the game simple as as he can, which has really helped him over the past few years and got him to three Super Bowl appearances and winning two Super Bowls uh, in the mix. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think you, you know, it's it's so easy to accelerate someone's demise when, you, like you said, he's such a polarizing figure. People can't wait to tear the guy down, it seems. And, you know, I think there's still a lot of football left to be played. I think Brady has been better than people are giving him credit for. But like we've said and we've you know established that there are areas of his game that he needs to pick up. Uh, Jared, with regard to Brady and uh, maybe, you know, something that we haven't really delved into that, uh, um, you know, you might want to uh, enlighten us a little bit with some of your wisdom and counsel because you're, uh, you're a pretty passionate Brady guy just like uh, the three of us are. And, of course, you know, my, uh, my uh, absentee uh, former co-host, uh, Ian Glendon, who I know is listening right now and uh, probably, uh, you know, chopping at the bit to get his uh, his, his his Brady uh, apologies in, but uh, one thing that uh, has struck me as being a little bit odd about Tom this year is it seems like he's taking a little bit longer to make decisions. It seems like he's missing some open targets. You had mentioned earlier when you were talking about Chris Hogan about how it seemed like he wasn't looking for Hogan, but it seems like he's been missing that a little bit more lately. Do you attribute that to maybe a lot of unfamiliarity with some of his targets, or do you think it's a situation where he's worried about getting hit at 41 years of age? Um, I think, it's a, honestly, it's a little bit of both. I think this whole Brady season, it's a multi-layered issue. Um, first of all, you're going to have Kellerman and Rob Parker and these guys. They're going to keep saying this crap until it finally sticks. I mean, the yeah. fact of the matter is that uh, – you know, I, the old saying, you say it enough times, eventually you'll be right. I mean, I, I think, I think you're, you'll find something, maybe whether it's 44, 43, 45, whenever it happens when Brady finally isn't Brady, finally these guys will be right. And they'll have gray hair by then and by the time <laughs> they say it. But the, That's all the time. I mean, the fact remains is this, is that Brady isn't, anything different this year than he has been. And I'll tell you why. I think he's, he's going about things very differently this year, and it's led to some issues, especially against the Blitz. He's having some major issues against the Blitz this year, as uh, Mike Giardi uh, points out quite often. But um, I, think, I think other than that, his main issues, is, as you were alluding to, Mike, I mean, he definitely spoon-feeds certain receivers, and uh, whether it was Edelman um, against the Bills on that Monday night game where he passed the ball like 14 times, or whether it's Josh Gordon last week against the Titans. I think that's the main thing, the only thing that I find really alarming with Brady, but I don't see that as an issue going forward, and he even commented on that over this this bye week and everything, that he needs to get everybody more involved. I mean, that's that's something that Brady never had an issue with in the past, is him, he's always had an ability to get the ball to multiple weapons on the field. And when he does that, the whole damn field opens up for him, and he just turns into just this absolute elite quarterback. And it happens every year. When he tries to do the old Matthew Stafford spoon-feed Calvin Johnson routine, it just doesn't work. I mean, it, it did when you had Randy Moss, you know, but that's possibly the greatest wide receiver of all time. And, and he doesn't yeah. have that right now. So I think if he spreads that ball around, then he's going to be the same Brady that we've always seen. But I don't think he's far away from that. I, I haven't seen any signs of regression. That whole thing that, oh, his arm is a wet noodle. Did anybody see that 42-yard pass to Josh Gordon? Didn't look yeah. like a wet noodle to me. Pretty good Absolutely. Wet noodle, but, 
I don't know. I just I, I think just in general, I think a lot of this is over the top, but it's going to keep happening. You're not going to see the end of this until Brady officially retires. But I, it, it goes back to, and as you know, Mike, we've been working together for several years now, but back when you were – you did your whole Brady derangement uh, syndrome. Feels <laughs> like a long time ago, doesn't it, my friend? <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, it, you wrote a similar article even with your editorial this past week. It, it, it's ridiculous. But, again, it's never going to end. People having that attitude that Brady is falling off a cliff, whether it's Kellerman or the luckiest guy ever, whether it's Rob Parker yeah. that, or Sharp, who, by the way, People are so soon to forget things. Shannon Sharp, after the Falcons Super Bowl, went wide-eyed on air calling Brady the greatest football player of all time. Not quarterback, football yeah. player of all time. And now he claims that he's not, he's not even the best ever, best quarterback ever. It's just, I, I don't know what it is. People love to hate him, like Bryce was saying. And then it won't go away. But I don't think Brady's a problem with his team. It's really not. His problems against the Blitz can easily be fixed. And his problem about getting the ball out can be can be fixed just by what I was saying. Get the ball to all of your weapons, not just one or two of them, all your weapons. This ho- offense will drop 30 points a game if he does that easily. Yeah, I think he hit the nail right on the head. And again, everybody drink up. But um, in any case, uh, you know, I think you really did make a great point there in terms of Brady not being the problem. Brady does acknowledge that. And in his weekly interview last week with Jim Gray on Westwood One, Brady acknowledged the fact that he needs to do a better job of distributing the ball, that he has you know, watched a lot of film. He's been watching film. Don't kid yourself. These last couple of weeks have really been a period where a lot of those negative feelings that he's had about this last game in Tennessee are going to fester. When Tom Brady has a little while to really absorb some of this and come out scorched earth, he's going to come out a a more determined and I think a rejuvenated football player than you've seen uh, kind of going into the, uh, the last couple of games before the bye. I think coming out of this game, uh, coming up against the Jets, I think you're going to see a very motivated uh, Brady to get the ball distributed to a lot of his his weapons, not just Gordon, not just Edelman. The return of Gronkowski is huge. A lot of people say, oh, Gronk is not what he used to be. Um, there was an article that I saw floating around earlier on Twitter, and forgive me, I, I can't remember who wrote it right now, but, uh, oh, it was Mish Mehta. Uh, of uh, the New York Daily News, which, oh, yeah, big surprise. Again, I say consider the source. That source uh, deserves no consideration. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, Manish basically came out and said, well, you know, uh, Gronkowski is done. He basically compared Rob Gronkowski to Bernie Lomax, which is like, you know, dead man walking. Anybody who's ever seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's, I think you guys are a little too young for that movie, but uh, Ian and I uh, were big fans of that movie back in the day, and basically what it is is Lomax is a dead body that just is carried around by, uh, you know, two guys, Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy, uh, and they refuse to believe that their boss is dead, so they just carry his corpse around all weekend, and it sounds really creepy and kind of idiotic, but uh, it's funny in the process. To say that Gronkowski is someone that's basically like a dead man walking and is just being carried around by his teammates is another really just asinine take that I just can't understand for the life of me. Gronkowski has had his his issues with injury, and there's no question about it, but his presence in that lineup absolutely improves the Patriots' offense, whether he's a pass-catching option, whether he's blocking, or whether he's just a decoy. His presence in that Patriots offense is something that cannot be overstated enough. So just having Gronkowski in there as a threat is going to open up a lot of different fields, a lot of different opportunities for him. Don't kid yourself. Brady also is missing a guy like Shaq Mason from that offensive line. Trent Brown has done a great job of protecting his blind side, but he can't protect everybody. Keenan's been banged up. Waddles had his, his issues being able to, to you know provide coverage. So that offensive line showing up a little bit is going to get Brady the time that he needs to complete passes and to be able to do what he did. With regard to guys like Parker and Kellerman, and you guys are absolutely right. I mean, it's just it's not going to end. These guys will just continue to beat that drum until they're right. You've already seen guys like Kellerman and guys like Parker backtrack on it and say, oh, well, Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff. Well, yeah, thanks, Max. He's been falling off a cliff for the last five years, according to you. But every year it's like, oh, but this is the year I mean it. And Parker said the same thing recently. Oh, but I'm at 41 because Brett Favre 
fell off a cliff at 41. Well, thanks to our good friend, uh, who every Patriots fan really should be following, it's at FTBeard underscore 17. You gentlemen know exactly who I'm talking about. He is one of the best Patriots follows on the planet when it comes to Twitter. He posted a, a tweet the other day that I really think should be framed. I actually saved it, um, and I have it uh, uh, as a screenshot on my iPhone. And that's at 41 years old, and Bryce, you kind of used these stats a little bit earlier, so I'm going to piggyback off of what you said, buddy. <laughs> but Tom Brady has yep. a completion percentage of 65.2. He's passed for 27, uh, uh, 2,748 yards. He averages 7.4 per attempt. He has 17 touchdown passes, 7 interceptions, 94.7 passer rating through 10 games. So not astronomical numbers considering what Brady has put up in the past, but still fairly serviceable numbers. At age 41 with Brett Favre, he had a completion percentage of 60.6. So Brady has a 5.2 percentage higher through three fewer games. Passed for 2,509 yards. Brady's already eclipsed him by over 200, and he still has more you know, games to play. He averages 7.0 yard per attempt. Brady's got him beat there. 11 touchdown passes as opposed to 17 already for Brady. With six games still to play, you can damn bet he's going to pad that total. And then 19 interceptions for five compared to seven for Brady. I don't think Brady's going to end the season with with 19 interceptions. Here's the difference, big difference. Passer rating, 94.7 as opposed to 69.9. So for Parker to say that he's comparing it solely based on Favre's numbers is, again, it's a reach, it's a lazy argument, and it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't do any service to a guy that really deserves a lot more credit than for what he's getting. So for all of the sand drinkers, as I like to call them, the Brady haters, whatever you want to call blockheads, idiots, whatever, whatever, whatever term we want to use for it, I think everybody on this call right now, and I think mostly our fans listening to, can pretty much agree that Tom Brady is going to be just fine, folks. If the Patriots don't win... Uh, at a consistent level this year or don't make a return trip to the Super Bowl, it's not going to be because Brady has a noodle for an arm or he's throwing knuckleballs out there or whatever kind of colloquialism they want to use. That's not going to be the reason why. It's going to be either they ran into a better team, which I don't know if there is one right now. The AFC guys, I know, you know, the Chiefs in a sexy pick right now, but they have holes on their offense. Uh, they have holes on their defense. Their offense is tremendous. No question about it. You saw that last night. They can move the ball and score at will. Uh, they had a track beat type game against the Patriots when they came in here last month. So they're capable of putting points on the board, but I think their defense is something that is their Achilles heel, and that's where they can be attacked. And, of course, they've got Andy Reid on the sideline, so I take my chances with Bill Belichick or Andy Reid any day of the week. Um, Pittsburgh's playing pretty good football right now. They've righted the ship after really starting off as a disaster, and Ian and I were really almost ready to write them off. But uh, they've been a pleasant surprise in terms of coming back to the pack. So that's going to be thanks, interesting. Thanks, thanks, thanks I'm sorry, not Thanks to Blake Bortles not deciding to throw it on third and five because the Jaguars are too scared for him to throw on a third and five, and which would basically have won the Jaguars the game, which frustrated me the most. But go, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. I mean, the, the Jaguars really could have helped the Patriots big time. Can you imagine how pretty they'd be sitting right now if the Jaguars had taken care of business against the Steelers and the Chiefs had that loss to the Rams? That would really have helped the Patriots an awful lot, especially in that game in Pittsburgh. But you know what? Nothing gets handed to you. Um, you know, you can't wait for it to fall in your lap. You've got to go out there and take it. And nobody's done a better job of going out and taking it than the New England Patriots in the last few years. So it'll be interesting to see how they rebound from a disappointing end to the pre-buy uh, portion of the season. Um, they've got some... They, they've got something to prove, I think, on Sunday to show everybody that they're, they're still a team to be reckoned with. The last time they were in this position was earlier on the season. They had come off of a really demoralizing loss against the Detroit Lions. Uh, they were coming home to face the Miami Dolphins, and we all know what happened there. They basically they filleted the fish in Foxborough, and they absolutely mopped the floor with a team that was playing pretty good football at the time. People don't realize that. Uh, Miami was the front runner in the division uh, at, at that point. So the Patriots... Have they coming out of the bye? Uh, Evan Lazar of CLNS Sports, uh, who's a good friend of our program as well, uh, tweeted out that the Patriots are 13 and four coming off of a bye um, since uh, Bill Belichick has taken over as head coach. So 
Coach Belichick knows how to how to prepare this team to do exactly what they need to do, and that's come out very strong against a team like the Jets. And we all know what highly regard that Bill Belichick holds the New York Jets. So uh, this could be a rough game in uh, in New Jersey, but really, I think one that the Patriots should not take lightly again, because once again, it's a division team. There's a lot of familiarity there, and the Jets are capable of scoring points, so I think it's going to be interesting. And one of the things I want to get to before we wrap it up tonight is I wanted to get uh, your take a little bit, gentlemen, on uh, the game that we just described going into this Sunday versus the New York Jets. Uh, Bryce, what is the key? What is one of the keys to you uh, for the Patriots winning this game and coming out on top of this game on Sunday in the Meadowlands? I think it's going to be a very tough matchup. I know the Patriots don't particularly play well in New York, but this is a different Jets team that we've seen since the past couple of years. But you're going to have to establish a run early, and I think that you have to get a lead up on these guys early enough so then you can kind of utilize different schemes, maybe try different things that, that can help you later in the season, potentially trick plays, stuff like that. But I think that the Patriots need to score early. They need to really come out with a punch against the Jets and really show that the offense is capable of uh, doing a really good job against the New York Jets defense because even though they lost some pieces in the past, they still have a solid defense that really can compete with really good offenses. They, they have some good corners, but their pass rush isn't, isn't what it was since losing Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson. But it's going to be a very difficult test, but the Patriots should do a great job in it, it's going to be a very entertaining matchup, and the Patriots should come out on top in this one. Yeah, uh, to agree with Bryce there, I, I agree. And honestly, I think this is a big game for the Patriots, not just, you know, to bounce back after a bad showing uh, with Tennessee, but I think this is a really good way to boost confidence on a lot of sides of the football. Um, this this just feels like one of those games the Patriots are going to look very dominant from start to finish just because you got Gronkowski coming back, you got a whole bye week, you got a lot of film and practicing there where Belichick really, I'm sure, wanted to clean a lot of stuff up. But this is a good chance for the defense to bounce back. They're either facing a rookie quarterback coming off of injury issues or 39-year-old Josh McCown. I mean, you can't ask for a better chance for the defense to really bounce back and get some confidence going on that side of the football before they go against some really good teams. And then on the offensive side of the football, again, it's a perfect opportunity for Tom Brady to flip the script here on all these people talking all this trash. And, and you know, the, the Jets actually have a good defense, by the way. A lot of people don't realize that. But I think I think that uh, this is a perfect opportunity to maybe get Gronkowski in the end zone again, get him back into the swing of things, get spread that ball out, get Chris, you know, Hogan some touches, and, you know, get Patterson involved. And, and you could really see just a very dynamic offense and a confident defense, especially if they just play up to the way they're able to. So I think I think this game in general could be a huge game for them going forward, if not just to win, but to just put confidence on both sides of the football. Yeah, I think you make a good point in terms of uh, what the Patriots are going to need to do in order to be able to succeed in this game. Uh, Bryce, you had, you had mentioned something interesting about the Patriots typically not playing well in New York. And, yeah, I mean, the, they... The Jets gave this team a scare in New York last year, believe it or not. Um, they were, uh, it was, and they only won five games last year, and the Jets really were not a very good football team, but they did step up and play very well in New York. And it's a situation where the Patriots have had their struggles in MetLife Stadium. Um, you know, I mean, it's, they say throughout the record books, it's really one of those old cliche, you know, type sayings that I really hate, and I don't like putting a whole lot of stock in them, but, it really is applicable for a division game, whether you realize it or not, because even when the Jets are lean on talent and wins, they always seem to give the Patriots trouble in their own building. Now, England is just three and five in its last five, three and two in its last five visits, excuse me, uh, to Northern New Jersey, and those three wins have come by one, five, and seven points. That's a pretty narrow margin of victory for those uh, games. So this is going to be probably closer than people think. I know a lot of people are expecting scorched earth coming right out of the bye and just absolutely maul over the Jets. And believe me, there's no one that wants to see that more than me. Um, I've never held, I've never ever held a secret of my disdain for uh, Gang Green over in uh, uh, in in uh, in 
the Meadowlands. I, I, I compare them to gangrene all the time because, I mean, you know, it's one disease to another as far as I'm concerned. But, um, I mean, this is, this is a talented team on both sides of the ball, probably better than a lot of people give them credit for. I think that they've had their issues with coaching this year and, you know, some maturation of the talent that they have but if they can put things together they are capable of stringing together a fairly decent game we saw them beat Detroit we saw them beat Indy earlier this year so they're capable of of beating teams in my opinion I think there's two matchups that I really have my eye on this weekend uh, for anybody that's watching this game the first is Rob Gronkowski like you had mentioned Jared uh, going up against Jamal Adams I think that's going to be worth watching Gronkowski has typically been a guy that's been able to get the better of Adams in the one-on-one matchups that uh, they've put him in. Typically, Adams is assigned to Gronkowski, and it's typically been a mismatch. But Gronkowski's coming back from an injury. Now, if he comes back from this injury strong and he plays the typical type of Rob Gronkowski game, then this could be a mismatch again. But if he struggles a little bit and he's not the same Rob Gronkowski that we've seen in previous you know, years, then Jamal Adams could end up getting the better of this. So this is going to be a really intriguing matchup to see not only what Gronkowski looks like health-wise, but whether or not Adams is going to be able to step up and actually shut down or slow down, I think is the better way to put it, a guy like Rob Gronkowski. The second matchup that I'm really looking forward to this weekend is seeing Shaq Mason back in that offensive line uh, matching up with defensive tackle Leonard Williams. Um the Jets, he's the guy that leads the Jets in quarterback hits. He's got 12 of them. Uh, he's tied for the team lead in tackles for a loss with eight, and he's tied for second in sacks with three. So when it comes to defensive players, Leonard Williams is the guy that really is the cog in that Jets defense. So if Shaq Mason can step up big and be able to shut him down, keep him away from Tom Brady, that's going to open up a lot for Brady, and that's going to open up a lot for the Patriots' offense. So if the Patriots win those two battles, if Gronkowski comes out as being better than Adams and Mason gets the better of Williams, look for the Patriots to have a pretty big game this weekend. All right, gentlemen, we're almost ready to wrap things up here, but I am going to put you guys on the extreme hot seat for a minute. And uh, I want some bold predictions, gentlemen. What is your prediction for the game this weekend, Bryce? I'm going to go with the Patriots 24, the Jets 13. I think that the Patriots offense is too much for the Jets to handle. Um, I I think that the Patriots need to make a statement coming out of the bye week, especially after the performance against the Tennessee Titans. Tom Brady's going to have a superb game. I think the defense is going to get after the Jets quarterback, Sam Donald, or Josh McCown, depending on who plays in this game. And it's going to be a close at first, but the Patriots pull away late. Okay, excellent. And, uh, Jared, you're up, my friend. <laughs> uh, I I agree. I think that the uh, the Patriots are going to win with a score of thirty to seventeen. I think the Jets may make things interesting for a bit, but I just think it's just the. I think this is a classic bounce back game for the Patriots, where they really look dominant on both sides of the ball. I think you're going to see several uh, turnovers uh, that the Patriots are going to be able to produce on the defensive side of the football. I just don't see. Uh, rookie quarterback Sam Darnold or Josh McCown being able to produce enough, uh, you know, firepower. And I I see the Patriots being able to really, uh, you know, to really get things clicking going offensively. So I think they'll pull away quite handily in the fourth quarter. And I think we're all in agreement. It's unanimous, folks. I have the Patriots winning this game as well. I actually have it a little bit closer uh, than you gents do. I have the Patriots taking this one 28 to 21. Um, I do think that the uh, the Jets are going to be able to put up some points, especially if Sam Donald is the guy that's going to be under center. Now we don't really know for sure yet. He had he didn't practice on Monday, um, and whether it's him or McCown that's going to be uh, uh, the guy that's going to be calling signals under center will really determine as to whether or not I think how many points they're going to be able to put up, but the Jets typically play well, and they play well in this building, so I do expect them to make it a fight, but I think the Patriots are capable of putting up a lot more uh, in terms of uh, point differential, so to me, I'm looking for uh, the New England Patriots to come out on top, and I think they will right the ship, uh, heading into uh, a pretty difficult and tough game uh, the following week when uh, they're going to host Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings into town. So I think that'll be a very, very interesting one. Um, so at this point, gentlemen, I think we, uh, we've we covered uh, a good amount of Patriots uh, material tonight. I want to thank each of you for coming on tonight and uh, 
Talking Patriots and giving us the wisdom and counsel like only you guys can do it. So before I wrap things up here, I just want to give everyone uh, here an opportunity to hear where they can find you. So let everyone know where they can follow you either on Twitter or any social media platform of your preference. And also tell them just a little bit about where they can find your work. And, uh, um, you know, Bryce, we'll start with you, buddy. Well, my Twitter account is capital B Russo Bryce. My Facebook's Bryce Russo. You can also find all my social media links at the in the in the bio of my Facebook page, Snapchat, Instagram, all that great stuff. And to find my work and my writing, I usually post the links on Twitter account. I also have the link to the full press coverage website for the Patriots on my Twitter bio, so you can find all the work there. And um, hope you all enjoy. And it was glad to be here with you guys. Thank you, and Jared, you're up, bud. Yeah, and for me on uh, on Facebook, just Jared Talbot, and then on Twitter, it's uh, at Jared Talbot underscore. And um, also uh, uh, on this podcast that I just started up, I just launched it last week, as Mike mentioned. Thank you for mentioning that, Mike. I just launched it, uh, and uh, it's uh, at Delivered Weekly. We cover a lot of sports and entertainment and everything in between. And, of course, you can find my work on full press coverage, Celtics Life, all that. Most of my work is posted on Twitter more than anything else, as that's really the biggest platform these days. But yeah, uh, you can find me on any of those any of those social medias. Absolutely, and you can find me at M D A B A T E F P C, all one word on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook as well uh, under my uh, own assumed name. <laughs> um, and uh, definitely, you can follow the work of uh, all of our great uh, writers at FPC Patriots at, at FBC underscore Patriots. Um, I could not ask for a finer staff to be able to work with, and you two gentlemen are right at the top of that list, but we really have a tremendous staff, some great content each and every week. I could not be more proud uh, of the content that comes out of that page, so please definitely give us a follow if you're not already. Um, and all of our great writers at fullpresscoverage.com. Go to the website, uh, coverage on all 32 NFL teams, uh, all four major sports, MMA, um, soccer slash football, uh, you name it, and it's out there. Uh, we're really, we're really doing some great things with uh, uh, with the site, and I could not be happier about what's to come. So, uh, on uh, behalf of the staff at FBC Patriots and all of FBC uh, dot com, I want to wish everyone out there a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy your holiday. Uh, Best to family, friends, and everyone uh, that helps to uh, to make our country the great place that it is. So, uh, without further ado, the New England Patriots are facing the New York Jets on Sunday, and we will be back next week uh, with another edition of the Full Press Patriots podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening tonight. Thanks, everybody, for uh for all the support that they provide. But I most importantly want to thank the other two gentlemen on the other side of this microphone right now. Thank you, Bryce Russo. Thank you, Jared Talbot. It's been a pleasure, gents. Take care. Go Pats.